I'm John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Saturday, May 30th, 2020. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage and in some cases start conversations. We kind of break the rules here for Native Radio. We don't do prayers and we don't do Buffalo speeches and we don't do spirituality shows. We take a tough look at uh, our history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity, and we may step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We'll take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that's heaped upon us, and we do it all right here live from the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. But first, let me remind you that our audio does stream live uh, on our website, let's let's talk native.com. We stream live video of the show on uh, Facebook via Facebook Live on our Facebook group page pages and across a bunch of other group pages as well. Uh, we take the audio and we put it up on SoundCloud, which puts it out as a podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. And we take the video and we put it up on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. I encourage you to subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel because not only do we put videos of the shows on our YouTube channel, but we also do uh, short form videos and uh, on a variety and, and full range of topics. So uh, I encourage you to check those out. Those, those shorter videos, I'll actually, I'll say it. They can actually be used as um, as teaching mediums. I mean, they really do provide insight on a, on a wide range of uh, topics. And uh, so I encourage you to check those out uh, as well. Um, I'm the show's host and producer, and I'm joined in studio by Jake Proud, who's managing our audio and our video. All right, so... Um, if you're watching us uh, and you're used to watching us, you might see that it looks a little different. We, we are testing out a new system. Um, we've moved away from our Mevo camera, at least for, for this week, and we're, we're trying uh, open broadcast. So um, I, I apologize in advance if we have any hiccups along the way. And, um, we are trying to expand our capabilities. Some things that, uh, that are, we're limited by our old system, we're hoping we can uh, expand um, to do more uh, graphics, uh, more more camera angles, more uh, you know uh, frame shots, that kind of thing. So um, that's what we're trying to do here. So bear with us, as, and, and maybe you'll see no, nothing different here, other than perhaps the shot looks a little different. But uh, uh, so again, bear with us. All right. Uh, um, I, as usual, I, I try to at least hit a few COVID numbers just so people understand. Uh, United States is at 1.8 million cases. Um, just an absolute unbelievable number compared to where any other nation in the world is. Um, 105,000 deaths, uh, well ahead of their uh, their predictions that said they would see that in August, and then they said they'd see it in June. Well, we aren't even June yet. Um, so both those numbers are terrible numbers. Uh, I will say that both Russia, uh, Brazil and Russia, have um, finally uh, surpassed New York for the uh, total number of cases. So, again, New York had more cases than any country uh, you know, on the planet. And now two countries have surpassed uh, have surpassed uh, New York State, and of course a lot of that New York State numbers come from the, comes from the city. But uh, but again, that's a that's a statewide number. So um, Navajo, uh, you know, I I just feel compelled to give the number uh, uh, fifty one uh, five thousand one hundred forty five cases, um, two hundred and thirty one dead. Uh, that is higher than 12 of the United States. Uh, they, you know, they were kind of, uh, you know, right there close to uh, where South Dakota is. But now they're, you know, now there's several hundred cases above what, uh, what South Dakota is at. Um, uh, so higher than 12 states and all four U.S. territories, including Puerto Rico. That's where Navajo is. And uh, there still seems to be an inadequate um, uh, process or procedure in place to try to stem the tide. The numbers still seem to be consistently adding uh, 100-plus 100, 100 a day uh, in terms of the number of cases. And, and again, I've got to remind people that, uh, that the Navajo spread began with, with a church gathering. You know, so for those, of, uh, those that are out there 
really crying about you know needing to have group worship just just know that from a native standpoint navajo territory which is the hot spot for for native territories is um is the hot spot that began with uh with group worship in fact new york city it uh, new york began with group worship too that's where the first outbreak in Montes, uh in new rochelle uh, new york uh was so and that was also due to group worship um just saying you know so people can make their own decisions on how important it is um even though people can pray if that's what they want to do they can pray at home you can fall on your knees you can light candles at home you don't need some temple that looks like a castle uh you know to worship in but if that's if that's your, your priority just know that that has been among the super spreading um scenarios uh churches including choirs by the way you know the, the whole idea of going to choir practice and belting out your favorite religious tune in the faces of everybody else uh, that's a part of your choir just got to put it out there all right so the show topic um i, I i've just got posted i can't breathe i mean I, you you just we can't escape just like we've talked about covid19 for you know for almost three months we can't escape what is happening um in the aftermath of george floyd being killed by the minneapolis police and let me say it again he didn't die in the custody of the minneapolis police he was killed by a police officer sustaining a knee on his neck cuffed and face down on the on the pavement with a 200 plus pound uh officer with his knee on the back of his neck no need for it no need for there to be a a knee on the back of the neck while two other officers were hold were also restraining uh george floyd and and another just stood back i, I guess he was just watching the crowd reaction so so he would know what they were so four cops were involved one specifically um choked the life out of george floyd with his knee by strangling him from behind on top of him on the pavement in uh in now if you're wondering what did this what terrible crime had this person committed apparently we don't know he, he was accused of trying to pass a what may have been um a fake or counterfeit a 20 dollar bill he was killed by police officers now it it almost goes without saying but i'm gonna say it george floyd is black the officer who who, who killed him and and the other officers were, were white that's so that's what kicks this thing off now today we have riots uh in cities all across the united states and now the riots are you know, has the has all those folks on the right condemning them all those folks on the right didn't have a damn thing to say about a, another black man being killed by cops. No, I mean, the first thing that the right does, and, and I'm talking Fox News and Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and, uh, and usually the president of the United States, the first thing the right does is, de- is defend the honor of cops, saying, oh, we all know most cops are good. You see, the, 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 the way around this thing is say, oh, this is just one bad incident. No, it isn't. A thousand people a year get killed by cops, um, and most of them are unnecessary. And and I've said this before on my on my New York City show. Let me be clear: there is no reason for a police officer to do anything to the head and neck of of, of a suspect of of a person they're arresting. They don't need to knock teeth out, break you know um, orbital sockets. They don't need to you know gash the 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 head you know lay the head wide open they don't need to strangle choke um you know billy club in the face they don't need to do any of that stuff look the fact that these guys have a, a gun usually a taser and pepper spray and handcuffs and a baton or or a number of batons and, and most of these guys also wear these um these gloves that that have um, weight in the knuckles so even the, in their punches are, are even their their gloves are weapons so these guys have any number of weapons and if if they need to to place somebody on the ground and and there was no reason to even put george floyd on on the ground 
They had him handcuffed, behind hands behind his back, standing up, and then they took him to the ground. Again, no explanation why. And and then uh, this one officer knelt, uh, put a knee on the back of his neck. And as the guy is saying, I can't breathe, the sentiment that, and I've heard this sentiment from, from white people all over the place. Well, if you can say you can't breathe, then you can breathe. No, that's not true. If you can eke out words, if you can let air out of your lungs, doesn't mean that you can let air back in. So, so this is this is the scenario. And look, I didn't watch the video. I won't watch the video. Um, I, you know, I've said it before that I'm not. Um, I don't need to see what everybody else is already talking about. I, I, I believe what happened. Um, I'm not sitting on a jury, and uh, you know, but I, I know how police officers have this sense of entitlement about their free reign discretion on whether to use lethal force or not and you know look we've got cops that that shoot people we've got cops that strangle people we have cops that beat people in fact at least two of the cops involved in this one have been written up for for abuse of force excessive force many times multiple times the 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 uh, police officer who was standing back with his hands in his pocket just watching he um he was written up for for knocking the teeth out of uh you know out of a suspect and again there's no reason to beat somebody on the face i mean i'm there's no reason to beat their body up either all you have to do is restrain them if if that's even necessary but to restrain somebody if somebody's fighting back you may have you may have to be a little rough to to stop their ability to fight back but doesn't mean you have the right to kick them in the face it doesn't mean that you have the right to you know to beat somebody to death that is not you know and the crazy part is you know that 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 instant that that split second decision you have to make when you've got your finger on a trigger is one thing and and it's a terrible you should never have that gun and that finger on the trigger um unless something has you know unless a conflict has risen to the to the point where that's necessary but when a cop says i made a split second decision that's one thing beating somebody to death strangling them that's not a split second decision that takes time it takes a while to choke the life out of somebody and i mean and it takes a a malicious intent to beat somebody to death and that's what we're seeing here but you know, I and I gotta I gotta do some history here. I, for one thing, I I fully support Black Lives Matter, and and the reason I don't need to like water it down by saying all lives matter or Native lives matter. The reason Black Lives Matter is a thing is because in the American society, and in fact in in places all over the world that especially these colonial um, uh, cultures. Black lives have not mattered. They've only mattered when they were being bought and sold as slaves. You know, since the time that slavery was outlawed, there's been an effort across the globe. All every country that is that is ruled by white people has placed the value of a black life far beneath their own. So the reason black lives matter, the reason we have black lives matter is because because society hasn't demonstrated that we don't need to say all lives matter because you know what we can we can see whose lives matter we can see where the affluence is we can see who is you know who is well taken care of but for the most part the most obvious people to be subject I mean, and, and again, the most obvious I'm not saying that they're the only ones but those obvious people to be subject to blatant racism are black men why because because their skin color is so different from white people now if you have a tan or if you're um a brown person uh maybe somebody's gotta look at you twice maybe somebody's gonna assess whether you know you know what you are it's you know there's this one video i saw where where a white guy is asking this um this woman who looks like she's of asian descent what are you and what am I? I mean, but that's 
the first thing that a white person does is try to determine what are you and and by what they mean you're not white so what are you you, you must be something you're something other than white now a black man is pretty obvious so that's why they're the obvious recipient of of some of this uh, this racism and and abuse based on racism but native people we you know we were uh, you know america's <laughs> I hate to use this word, but we're America's first niggers here. We were the first ones to be uh, brutalized, even even before the first ship of slaves were brought across. It, w- it was Native people who were being brutalized. Why? Because we looked way different than the white folks that came up on, on these lands. And Minnesota? <laughs> if you think this is like an anomaly... It, this isn't an anomaly. Minnesota has a history of this stuff. Going back to, you know, and, you know, I talk about um, Mankato, Minnesota, you know, where Abraham Lincoln in, uh, in 1862, uh, in 1862 signed the execution order for 38 Dakotas. In fact, I'm saying this, I'm looking at the poster for the film, the Dakota 38. But so in 1862, and, and this isn't the first time, but in 1862, Abraham Lincoln, you know, the Emancipation President, he signs an execution order for the what would be the largest execution. And I mean court orders. I'm not talking about massacres and or, or mass killings, but I'm talking about an execution signed through by you know by in this case by the president, but an execution administered through a court of, of justice. The largest mass execution in the history of the United States was ordered the order was signed by abraham lincoln and it took place in mankato minnesota why because the good people of minnesota demanded it they wanted the hanging in fact they scheduled the hanging the day after christmas why so they could have it as a part of their their festivities their their holiday festivities so you yeah you do your christmas thing on december 25th and then december 26th you put on all your new clothes and you and you go out and you watch an epic event 38 Dakota being hung by the neck in a massive gallows in Mankato, Minnesota. And knowing that the President of the United States signed that order. And you know, they wanted to execute over 300. That's what the, that's what the people of Minnesota wanted. That's what, that's what the white folks wanted. Lincoln thought that would look bad. 38 didn't look bad. <laughs> not, not compared to 300. But he had to he had to sign an order for a large execution to satisfy the bloodlust that the white folks had. And again, 1862, how much has changed since 1862 to now? I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to see. We're going to see how, how this thing transpired. But transpires ultimately. But the good people of Mankato, Minnesota, they wanted they wanted some dead native people they wanted and look they didn't want to read about a massacre in the paper they wanted to see it they brought their children out to watch this execution they brought this was a family event women in their petticoats and their bonnets and everything out to the to watch this massive gallows one gallow set set of gallows with 38 well actually 39 ropes because one guy they didn't decide to hang maybe maybe that's the reason they didn't hang the 39th guy because they ran out of rope i don't know but 38 people with one knocking of the uh you know of the of the floorboards out from underneath them 38 killed in an instant you know i mean 38 people killed in an instant ironically a week later abraham lincoln would stand up in washington dc and sign his emancipation proclamation he would give a great speech about it and everything else and would be praised for all for all of history would be praised as the the great emancipator a week before he 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 did his emancipation proclamation 38 dakota were hung and most people don't even know so when i when i hear now and this is the second specific incident but, but there's been like three of them uh where, where cops have killed people but uh uh this is the, the second minneapolis police you know killing an unarmed um black man uh so i mean this isn't this isn't an anomaly it happens all the time but again i gotta remind people that statistically proportionately native people are killed at a higher rate rate considering our population uh 
a higher rate than anybody else, except for the one age group of uh, 16 to 22. That's the only place where, where, where black males are, are killed at a higher rate than native males. Yeah. Who knew, right? Who knew, right? Native people are killed at a higher rate. Now, not in, not in total numbers, but in a higher rate considering our population. But And our population is pretty small. So, you know, you, you kill half a dozen native people and uh, you, you can tip the scales pretty quick. And, and it happens all the time. I mean... Honestly, more white people are killed by cops than, uh, than, than anybody else. But as a percentage of the population, black people and native people. The, uh, and it's not even close. Be, um, the, wh- whoever comes in third place isn't even close. Hispanic, you know, Latino, Latinx, whatever. Um, other brown people, not even close to, to black people and native people. And the history of native people being killed by police um, runs deep. In fact, in Minneapolis, that's why AIM came to be. In Minneapolis-St. Paul, the, the twin cities of Minnesota, that's why AIM came to be. Because Native people were being abused, not only by the broad white public, but by the police. So AIM came into, into existence uh, to be some sort of support system for Native people who were living in the cities. AIM, AIM wasn't about uh, protecting people on Native territories, not, not in the beginning. It was about trying to uh, assert some urban protection. And, and, and I got to say, therein lies the problem. Cities. Terrible idea. And, and look, the whole idea of packing a bunch of people into a small area is a bad idea. And it's a bad idea that we did too. Native people built cities. Now, we didn't maintain them. Um, we we tried it. Um, look, Chichen Itza, uh, Chihokia, There were there were cities all across the you know the you know the the south. I mean, Chihokia was a was a bigger big enough city. It was bigger than Paris at the same time. And this would be in you know around the you know 1600s, 1700s. So we did that too, but they didn't work. You, you end up with strange. Um, behaviors when you end up with hierarchies in cities you end up with the haves and the have-nots you end up with you know um, cult-like fanaticism that develops when you when you pack people in like that you have infrastructure problems you have resource problems there's all kinds of problems with, with creating cities but the other thing is you create so much codependency and 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 to be clear if you're if you're not independent then you aren't free I mean, Native people pretty much lived a free and independent existence before Europeans came, with, with the exception of when we made the same mistake that, that other cultures have done by trying to pack people into cities, because we did them too, and, but we abandoned them. And I would like to think we abandoned them not because of a failure of our, of our, of our evolution, but as a, a, um, a success of our evolution, it, you, you come to realize that this is not a good idea. So when I look across the, the globe, but certainly in the United States, some of the worst things you're going to see are in the urban environments. And, and, it's, and part of it is because you create this huge disparity. And, you know, you have, you, you, you have some groups living in abject poverty and you, you create this complete disconnect between the haves and the have-nots. You know, if you go out into um, to rural areas, even the smallest little podunk towns across the United States, even when you have something, somebody wealthy who lives in in or about one of these towns and and is a part of a, you know, a, you know a not a suburban but but a rural community, they still have to get along. They still have to have relationships. I mean, so you know, you you go to you go to these one of these uh, high school basketball games or, or football games, and you realize that you've got the, the the people who are affluent and the people who are who are living in abject poverty. They aren't. There's the animosity isn't there. They they've learned how to you know to have relationships. But you go into cities and you have ivory towers. You have people who are living on the Upper West Side. And then you have people who, whose communities are being ripped away from them through gentrification and, and, and you know, really casting people into, into, a, into a, a homeless 
of population. I mean, this is what is so wrong with cities. So when Native people experience this high level or this high rate of death by cops, it isn't always in the cities because a lot of our people live, live on Native territories. So it's in these Native territories that our people experience these, um, these death, deaths by cop that most people will never know about. Why? Because we don't have TV action news you know, that's, that's going to cover the story. So most of our stuff goes unnoticed. It isn't unnoticed by us. And that's why we don't need to counter Black Lives Matter with Native Lives Matter because if we know that if, that if we can support Black Lives Matter, if we can get cops to stop abusing, you know, abusing black men, then it gives us a stronger position to get them to stop abusing us as well. So we don't need to take the movement. Look, just like, you know, black people didn't need to take, need to take idle no more. We, uh, they were welcome to join us in Standing Rock or, or you know, in, 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 in any other situation. But we don't need to appropriate and then misappropriate a movement. We can support each other, and we should support each other. And some of the people who are protesting, not just in, in Minneapolis, but across the United States. Minneapolis, a lot of Native people are out on the streets too. And you know what? I mean, this is one of the sad truths about when, when things go real bad. And, and let's be clear here. What starts out as perhaps raucous protests, loud, boisterous, you know, passionate protests, it only takes somebody an instigator to get involved oftentimes you know not even a real protester somebody starts smashing windows and then all hell breaks loose and in the midst of some of this rioting now and i don't condemn rioting i don't <laughs> i mean sometimes you got to do what you got to do to be heard and you know what did martin luther king say a riot is the language of the unheard it is because taking a knee during the national anthem uh, that was met with as much animosity and in fact it's a, it's almost a similar animosity than riots so and and it didn't change and it's hard to change i mean how many how many people have been killed by cops since colin kaepernick got you know essentially got blackballed out of the nfl i mean and and how many and look at how many other players were afraid black players were afraid to take a knee or had to condemn what Colin Kaepernick did to, to stay in the good graces of the team owners and that kind of stuff. So don't tell me peaceful demonstrations gets it done. You know who did peaceful demonstrations? Martin Luther King. We know what he got. Yeah, yeah, he got famous. And he got, he got dead. So I don't condemn the, the riots. But you know, in, in, when these riots take place... There, there is loss of personal property. There is damage that happens to buildings, <clears throat> and some of the some of the people who take losses in these in these riots, you know, probably shouldn't be targeted. You know, I, I have a friend, my friend Laura Woodstock uh, Waterman. Her uh, um, her media McGeezy uh, Media or Communications, I guess it is, uh, in Minneapolis. It the the building burned. I mean, they didn't lose everything, but they. Um, uh, a building was targeted, and then the fire spread. Out. And so, I mean, and and that's I mean, look, that's that's a bad thing. I mean, uh, Laura's a, a friend of mine. I've been, I used to do her show quite often. Uh, she's actually from Seneca Territory originally, uh, but she lives in Minneapolis, and 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 her family does her daughters. And but you know, it's still hard to condemn riots. I mean, it's hard to condemn riots because. Nothing else has seemed to work. Look, I, I actually walked up and down 7th Avenue in, um, in New York City after Freddie, Freddie Gray. I was a part of, you know, I, I was on the street then. And you know what? They lined up the, the street with, with cops. They had cops lined up, lined up, you know, trying to, you know, keep people from, from you know, getting too carried away, I guess. So it was more of a police demonstration than it was a, uh, a demonstration in support of uh, Freddie Gray. <clears throat> but this is... Sometimes you got to burn it down, folks. 
and and I know I'm I'm look I'm on I'm speaking into a microphone. Those of us who speak into microphones aren't supposed to say this, but I got to tell you, if you are outraged, if you're outraged by the riots, but what? But but if you weren't moved by Eric Garner being choked to death, I I can't breathe. If you weren't moved by by George Floyd having being choked to death by a with a knee to the back of his neck, having his his throat pressed against the ground, whose only words was "You're killing me, I can't breathe." If that didn't move you, I don't. Frankly, I don't give a rat's ass about your opinion about about riots. You can get all kinds of pissed off about riots. You know what did Tucker Carlson say? He said that um, all these riots are such a terrible thing because they place every American in danger. Oh, really? You mean white people? See, I never heard Tucker Carlson condemn the police for for black people or people of color, native people living in danger. I mean, we have to raise our children a certain way. We have to we have a, we have to have the talk, right? This is how you respond when a police officer. Don't assume just being right is enough. Being right isn't enough. Because they don't care if you're right. What they care about is that you're not white. And, and, and it matters. And it matters. Look, I'm not saying that white people don't get killed by cops. They do. But the assumption is, if you're white and a, and a cop pulls you over, the, then, then a process plays out. But we never know how somebody's going to interpret a, you know, whether it's, are us getting a bit of an attitude and yes when a cop pulls me over i get attitude it'd be one thing if i if i was speeding if i if i did something that i know was wrong and, and look and I'm, I'm at their mercy they're gonna write me a ticket but if i'm gonna if i'm gonna get belligerent with them i have to be prepared and i have i have you know you, you know the ones i used to get belligerent with were the border control or the border patrol folks i was always getting pulled over every time i leave aquasasne to come back home I'd always get pulled. Or actually, take it back. I just got pulled over a few times on the way there. One time I got pulled over leaving Aquasasne. And they told me they had, they had monitored me going to Aquasasne. And now they were pulling me over because I was leaving Aquasasne. So that's how much they were, they were following me. And yeah, I gave them a hard time. Understanding that, th- that there was risk involved. But I also knew there was a pl- how far I could go. But... But this is the conversation that we have, we have to we have to teach our kids how to survive police altercations, or, or not even altercations, how to pl- survive police interaction. And black parents have to have to have a more extensive conversation with their young sons than with anybody. I mean, I got to tell you, as a native person, it's hard for us to prepare our kids. I, honestly, it, it is because. Our kids experience racism, but not the same way um, black people do. And so sometimes our kids don't realize what it is until it slams them in the face. And I don't mean physically, although sometimes physically. That's part of the problem. Hey, uh, I, I'm not. We're, we're going to take a break here and, uh, and I'll come back. I want to. I want to get back into some of this stuff. Um, yeah, let me go out. We'll go out with a little bit of music and we'll, we'll come back and uh, we'll wrap up the hour from there. This is John Kane and this is Let's Talk Native. All right, thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Um, let me give a shout out to my sponsors. I want to thank Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses. I want to thank the folks at Grand River Enterprises and Native Wholesale Supply and uh, Eric White and ERW Enterprises. Uh, and, you know, and I got a few other individuals and, and I've talked about VJ. I talk about, you know, Tony and, and Cindy and some of these others who on occasion will, will put a check in the mail. And I greatly appreciate it. What we're doing here today is we're demonstrating, you know, a, we've done some equipment purchases. We're trying to um, expand our capability even as we do live streaming. Uh, so uh, we're, we're operating on the uh, OBS platform here. Uh, we're still streaming on, on Facebook, but we're trying to uh, expand what we can do on, uh, on camera, on screen. So um, 
it, those of you who support the show and uh, and you know send an occasional check in every time you know, it, it allows us to buy equipment and, and to expand what we're doing here and we are limited look we're on we're on native territory one of the things that we are most limited by is uh, is internet we don't have um, high speed internet that runs there's no fiber optic cables that run through territory we don't have cables anyway we're relying on you know satellite dishes and uh and mi-fi jet packs and and that kind of stuff so but we're getting it done and, and we've gotten it done so um we're always at a bit of a challenge at a we're always challenged a little bit and if we if you do a situation see a situation where our broadcast is interrupted uh, usually that's because of the bandwidth or whatever else so we're trying to work through all that stuff and um we appreciate those of you who support the show that allow us to expand our capabilities uh at the same time I also want to thank all of you who, who listen to the show, who share the show, who provide some feedback with your comments. Um, those of you who share my podcast and, and the YouTube videos, I, I appreciate it all. That's how, that's how the conversation that I'm trying to have here um, continues. And it continues in, in your home. It continues in, in your workplace or among your family and that kind of thing. Uh, the one thing, the, the, the greatest compliment I can get is when somebody's listened to a show, heard some of what I had to, uh, had to say, um, opinion, even, uh, facts or opinion, and then, you know, kind of looked it up themselves and, uh, and verified some of the things that I'm saying. And then they feel empowered to engage in a conversation that they might otherwise shy away from due to a lack of information. But when somebody tells me that I've armed them with information, not to hurt somebody, not to fight somebody, but to engage with somebody, that is the greatest compliment I can uh, I can receive from a listener. So, um, again, I thank those of you who, who've offered that comment back, and that's uh, uh, why we do what we do here. A <clears throat> um, couple of things, I, I, you know, I mentioned Colin Kaepernick at the beginning. You know, I posted one of the memes I posted uh, that somebody had produced has a picture of Colin Kaepernick on the knee uh, on his knee at a football game uh, at, during the national anthem. And side by side with this this cop um, with his knee on the neck of uh, of George Floyd, and he said, and asked a simple question, which which knee bothers you? Because we know, I mean, for those of us who supported what Colin Kaepernick represented, we know how pissed off white people were. I mean, the the president of the United States you know, could could barely contain himself. They ran Colin Kaepernick. Uh, out of the NFL, uh, tried to uh, pass new lo- rules at the NFL, you know, um, office main office to, you know, to, to try to stop anybody from doing anything like this, because taking a knee during the national anthem <clears throat> apparently it, it, it should be deemed criminal, as far as you know, as far as somebody like Donald Trump is concerned. I mean, the reaction from that peaceful protest. Now, granted. That reaction also gave him more publicity, so it it ended up furthering um, the the reach of his message. But again, it turned into the anti patriotic, um, you know, hates America. No, he hates cops killing people without unarmed people. That's what he hated. And you know what? That was when Colin Kaepernick. He was just talking about black men. Colin Kaepernick reached across all people of color who had been uh, who were being affected by this kind of abuse this kind of tyranny you know when all these white guys arm themselves and they show up in state capitals because that because they're told they got to wear a mask and they think that's tyranny <clears throat> and they're arming themselves with their second amendment rights because they're there to fight tyranny apparently they don't understand what what tyranny is tyranny is when a cop gets to gets away with murder and can kill people and then just whip up some, well, I, I viewed them, I had a perceived threat. That's tyranny. And I don't see a whole lot of uh, white boys arming themselves with their automatic weapons to stand up to police. No, they're, they're going to go there and demonstrate at the, at the Capitol to a bunch of suits. Yeah, that's real brave. That's real brave. But, but you know, Colin Kaepernick, this is exactly why he knelt. And, you know, and he started out just sitting. And after, after talking with some folks, he says, you know what? I, I don't want to just sit. I don't, I don't want people to think I don't care. I want people to know that I'm doing something. Um, I'm, I'm taking an action. And the action was, I, I won't stand. I'll take a knee. 
And, and taking a knee, is there a solemn thing to do? I mean, people propose to their wives by doing it. People take the, you know, on a, you know, when our kids play football, if somebody gets hurt, or any sport, lacrosse, you know, if somebody gets hurt on the on the playing field, the both teams take a knee, out of respect, out of the and to pay respect to the to an injured player. Colin Kaepernick was taking was paying respect to to many injured people. And he did it during the national anthem because there was no home of the, uh, you know, home of the brave, you know, land of the free, home of the brave. Did I say that? Home of the brave, land of the free, something like that. Whatever they say. <laughs> I mean, that, that's why he was taking the knee, because of, of injured people. He was doing literally what he was doing since he played Pop Warner football as a little kid. We got man down, so we take a knee. Until those injuries stopped, he was taking a knee. And they haven't stopped. <laughs> a global pandemic, a country leading the world in the number of cases, 1.8 million cases, 105,000 people dead. And it doesn't stop cops. Nope, we're not, we're not going to use this, this moment where we could come together and stand with each other as we, as we try to survive this, this global pandemic. Instead, the country, the envy of the world, right? Great America, making America great again. 105,000 uh, people at a time. Yeah. Not even, not even during a global pandemic can racism take a, can racism take a break. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, it just keeps going. And, you know, look, we see it. Nothing's changed for Native people who are stopping pipelines. Nothing's changed for, for Native people who are trying to stand up for their own, for their own uh, distinct rights on their territories. Nothing has changed for, you know, for a, a young person of color who has to be concerned that they'll, they'll be killed by a cop. And not even young people. I mean, uh, I, I think Floyd was uh, in his 40s. He's a grown man. He's not even in, in the, the high demographic the, for for black people being killed by cops he, he's actually past the prime of uh, prime targets for cops i don't know it's I, I find this very frustrating and and the noise that i hear about rioting and and to be clear cities across the united states buffalo the one in our backyard buffalo new york riots today um I heard a car drove into a crowd. And it, and this was done intentionally to, to hype up the crowd. They dragged him out. I think they roughed him up a little bit, probably you know, trashed his car a little bit. But, you know, they didn't go into, into a spree of, of destroying all other property. Although I did hear a Spectrum news van might have gotten uh, uh, tangled up in this thing. But you know what? Media, too. If the media can't, can't flat out say that George Floyd was killed by a police officer and that killing was assisted by three other police officers, then just say the damn thing. Uh, we, we don't need... Murder has a you know legal definition and connotation to it, but killing... He didn't die at that, in, in police custody. He was killed by a police officer. And that, and that killing was assisted by three others. At some point, we, the public, and, and I'm, by all means, videotape these things. Because I tell you, if there wasn't videotape, nothing would happen here. And nothing, there would be no reaction if, the, if this wasn't caught on video. But while somebody's video recording this, somebody else should be taking that freaking cop out. I mean, tackle the guy. Look, yeah, you're probably going to get thumped up a little bit. But if you've got a crowd of 50 people there, or 10 people there, and there's only four cops, then, then take a chance. Take a chance of saving a man's life. Look, your thoughts and prayers don't mean shit. At some point, we've got to take action. And if you're prepared to go out and riot afterwards, then why aren't you prepared to, to tackle a cop who's killing somebody? It's not like the cop had his gun drawn. I mean, look, I'm not saying jump in front of a cop and, and take a bullet. 
I'm not saying try to save a man's life that way. But if you see a cop beating somebody, make him stop. And and you know what? This is how we're going to change things. Because their system isn't going to do it. Look, yeah, they charged him with, what, third-degree murder and manslaughter? Not first-degree murder. I mean, this, this guy, he'll probably walk... You know, maybe he doesn't. Maybe this guy is one of the few cops who actually gets sent to, sent to prison. But he's going to be like these white guys who go to prison and they, they get out in a few years. I mean, this guy's already killed somebody before. Killed a native person, uh, you know, 12, 12 years ago or so. Killed a native person. There are cops who could spend their entire careers and never have to fire their, their sidearm. There are cops who never kill anybody in their entire careers. <laughs> I'm not saying they don't beat a few people more than they, they should, but how is he going to have some of these cops in a place like Minneapolis where a cop has, has two deaths on his, on his resume? And, and, the, and again, the, 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 the police officer who, who was standing back watching all this, <clears throat> apparently he was written up for, for busting teeth. And again, there's no reason to beat somebody on the ne- on the head and neck. There's no reason to deliver the kind of physical punishment that could kill somebody. Because I'll, I'll tell you what, <clears throat> if you hit somebody in the body, it still hurts. And you can still subdue somebody. You don't need to lay their skulls open. You don't need to break their eye sockets, make people go blind. You don't need to remove their teeth. You don't need to choke them out. You know, in 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 UFC fighting, when you and these guys are trained for this, and when somebody puts them in a chokehold, they they tap the arm and they stop. What what is a what is a person supposed to do when the cop won't stop? And we just. Sit around and watch? And know what, we're going to riot days later? By all means, riot. Raise hell. Burn it down. But you know what? If you happen to be, and especially if you're with a crowd of people, don't let a handful of cops take the life of somebody. If you have the manpower and the, and the, and the physical presence to stop it, those three cops... <clears throat> who watched this cop, you know, sustain, you know, keep a sustained knee on the back of this guy, they're guilty for a couple of reasons. They're guilty, one thing, for assisting, aiding and abetting, uh, you know, they, they're actually part of this thing. <clears throat> but that's only half the, pro- half the crime. The other part of the crime for, for those three cops, well, all four of them, is that they have an obligation to not let somebody be killed in their presence. I mean, the whole thing is, they could have shot that police police officer and got and they could, any one of those three cops could have shot that police officer. Why? Because he was perpetrating a crime. He was he was pre- creating an uh, a a a threat, a deadly threat against somebody. I mean, I know it sounds unreasonable to think that 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 a cop would actually take another cop out, and they, and of course they would, didn't really need they didn't need to shoot him. They could have pushed the son of a gun off. But you know what? So could we. So could we. So riots are going, going up, you know, throughout. Look, and, and they should happen in every city. And you know what? They should happen in Buffalo, too. Because Buffalo's not, li- not clean here. I don't care if they got a black mayor. And that black mayor was just on television yesterday saying, well, we're very proud because uh, Buffalo has... Uh, the, the most black officers, the, the Buffalo PD has the highest level of black officers than they've ever had in the history of, you know, the, uh, the city of Buffalo. Well, let me tell you a secret. Black cops can be abusive, too. And you know what? You know who black cops are, are, are most likely to be abusive towards? Black people. Doesn't make any sense, does it? They say, well, black, a black cop can't be, uh, can't. Uh, you can't use race as a reason for a black cop to kill a you know a black suspect. Yes, you can. You know why? I talk about it all the time. The doll test. Those, a person who's joined the military or the police or any of these, you know, who's joined any of this, 
They've already been conditioned. And they too have it ingrained in them that a black man is a, is a more of a threat than a white man. It doesn't matter that they're black. The doll test is that, is that simple test, and it's been done over and over again, and, and, and repeatedly, and, and it's always the same results. It's where they take children, little children, and they have a white doll and they have a black doll, and they ask the children, what's the good doll? What's the black doll? You know, the, the white kids all say, obviously, white kids say, oh, the white doll's the cute one. That's the pretty one. That's the good one. That's the good baby. Well, who's the bad baby? Oh, the, the black one. Who's the ugly baby? Oh, the black one. But you know what? The black kids said the same thing. Why? Because even before they go to school, even before they're out of the home and having that influence of, that, of, of the non-family environment around them, they've already been condi- conditioned by what they see on television, by the shows, by the ads, by, you know, what's... They, they already have it. It's been ingrained in their heads what is pretty, what is beautiful. What is beauty and what is ugly? And that's what they've been taught. You would think that when a, when a black child is offered a white doll or a black doll, that they would say, well, I'll, I'll take the one that looks like me. In fact, when they're asked, what's the good doll? They say the white doll. They say, what's the ugly doll? They say the black doll. And they said, uh, which one looks more like you? They'll, they'll, they know they look more like the black doll. So that means that they already think that they're the bad one. They already think that they're the ugly one. So when that black child grows up and becomes a cop, you don't think it's already, it's, it's already been, it's at the subconscious level, but it's also at the, very much at the conscious level. A black police officer, they, look, they participated in stop and frisk, just like the white cops did. So yeah, there are black cops that are out there who are every bit as abusive and swelled up heads with their own privilege and, and their own ability to have very loose discretion on, on their use of deadly force. The solution to the problem isn't, isn't to have all more black cops. You've got to change the system. This is what we mean by systemic racism. Because when the system is racist, it doesn't even matter if you put people of color in that system. Now, they don't believe, and when I say when I say a black man can't be racist or a native person can't be racist, what I mean is that we don't believe that we're superior, that we're genetically superior. But you know what? There are plenty of native people and there are plenty of black people who actually believe white people are superior. And that and that people of color are, are, are inferior. That's still racism, but it's, but it's not racism in the same way that a white person thinks that they are, they are the, the superior race. This is different because we have this, this, our own self-deprecation that we, we buy into the system. Why? Because it's the, the only system where, where you can win, right? If this is the game that we all have to play, and we don't all have to play it, but if this is the game we all have to play, you got to know what the rules are. And you've got to rise above and put your own distance between you, even as a black man, and the black people you need to look down on, especially if you're in a position like a police officer. I mean, they've got to, they've got to make sure that you as a black man in a, in a uniform, are you prepared to shoot and, and, and beat a black man? I mean, there's no test where they ask you that flat out. But, you know, it's, it's just like the military. They've got to condition you to, to make sure that you're not going to hitch when it comes time to kill somebody. It's, it's just what's necessary. So that's, that's how the system works. So... There has to be a revamp. I don't, I don't know how you fix a police department. I don't, I don't know how you fix it. Uh, because the whole system, you have to understand, policing, the whole idea of forming police departments, cops, constables on patrol, was to protect property. And you don't have property? White people. The whole foundation, the reason you even have a police force 
is to protect property. So that's why people get outraged when they see rioting or looting or, or um, destruction of public or, or, or property. Because they're more outraged that stuff is being broken and wasted or stolen. They're more worried about stuff than they are about life. Another black man dead. You know, it's, it's funny because you, you see this, especially on the right. All of these people who are, who are outraged about having to wear masks on this COVID-19 stuff, right? They feel like they, they have had their freedoms taken away from them. They don't care about the, uh, the 105,000 people who have died or how that happened. They're going to be convinced that, no, there's nothing I can do to stop that, so I don't want my freedom uh, uh, infringed upon. Grandma dies, eh, she lived a full life. That's the disconnect, right? That's the, that's the difference between cultures. You know, the biggest loss of life, single loss of life, is, is out of these nursing homes. In New Jersey, 50% of the people who died, died in nursing homes. Why? Because that's what white, white, that's what white people do. They send all their people to, to nursing homes. Throughout the rest of the country, something like 30%. 30% of that, of that 100,000 people were elderly whose kids put them in nursing homes. And that should have been the easiest group of people to protect. But they didn't. And this is a society that doesn't care about that. This is a society that doesn't care about a, a person of color, a black man, being killed by a police officer over an alleged $20 crime. $20 crime. Eric Garner. And I got to remind people of Eric Garner. He wasn't selling cigarettes the day, and that was the whole thing. The, the, the criminal that Eric Garner was, the crime that he was alleged to have been involved in was selling a loose cigarette. Lucy's they call them and it's done all over New York why because New York City has another ten dollar tax on top of the the ten dollar uh state tax it's 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 an insane it's a it's it's sin tax in its purest form right so Eric living in uh in Staten Island he he used to you know get cigarettes and sell them out uh, single cigarettes loose cigarettes and the cops busted him for that but on the day they killed him he wasn't selling cigarettes they just targeted him. They they already knew the, the big guy, just like you know, just like you know, George, uh, George Floyd, a big guy that that a, that white man felt like we can take this guy down. We don't care if he's big and black. We're going to show the power that we have, not the physical power, but the but the the political power they have, that they can they can commit this these crimes against people with no repercussions. The guy who killed Eric Gardner never got charged. He stayed on the police force. Actually, got more money because he got he was he actually was taken and was given desk duty and an additional uh, overtime. Actually, made more money in New York City for five years. Then finally, the mayor uh, insisted that uh, that he be uh, he terminate, be terminated. The four cops involved in the in the death of uh, George Floyd were, were fired almost immediately, and. The, the guy who, who actually committed the murder, the killing, um, has been charged. The other three have not been charged yet. So riots continue. And, and again, if, if, if things escalate in Buffalo, so be it. I don't have a love for the city of Buffalo. You can't love these things. We should love each other. We should care enough about somebody being killed by a cop that we step up and we want some change. But I don't care about City Hall. I don't care about City Hall in any city. Martin Luther King says, a riot is the language of the unheard. That's what we're up against, folks. Look, I want to thank you guys for listening. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. We'll see you in a few days. Yahweh.